Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. As we enter into prayer, I'm just going to ask anyone, even those people who are standing in back, unless you're back there doing something major, to come and join us, or at least bow our heads and close our eyes. I think uh, one of the important things as a church when we gather together on Sunday, it's really cool to be talking with everybody. And uh, it is one of the reasons why we join together as a church family. But the really huge reason is we get together to see God. And so I'm going to really encourage you, please, 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 uh, at this time, if we can just uh, bow our heads, close our eyes, and just prepare our hearts. Take a few moments of silence. Then I'm going to read Psalm 139 for us, and then I'm going to pray it. The different thing that I'm going to do today with Psalm 139 is, though, I'm going to ask God for absolutely nothing. And I'm just going to, hopefully, help us to focus on being thankful for who he is and what he does. Because sometimes we've learned that pray is just about us asking. But prayer, praying, can be something that's just saying, God, thank you, and, and blessing him. We can bless God. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I'll give it a few minutes just for you to, a few moments to center your heart and mind. And then I'll read and then pray for us. David, the psalmist, wrote, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. O Lord, our God and Father, thank you because you have searched us and you know us And yet you still love us. You have chosen us. You have adopted us. You have redeemed us. Thank you that you know when we sit and when we rise, that you perceive our thoughts from afar, that you discern our going out and our lying down, that you are familiar with all of our ways, and that even before a word is spoken, you know it completely. O Lord, our God and Father, thank you for knowing us so well and yet still loving us. We thank you that you have hemmed us in behind and before. We thank you that you have laid your hand upon us. For we confess that such knowledge is too wonderful, too lofty to think of, that you, God, our Father, creator and sustainer of our world, above and beyond all that we know or can imagine, would care for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I don't know if you noticed earlier, uh, there were a few people that were wearing Ride for Refuge shirts. Is Michael still here? I know Dan, Dan Ensing left. And uh, Dan... You have yours. I have mine underneath. I didn't want to preach in it. It was a little, it'd be a little uncomfortable. Um, but yesterday we had a, a ride for refuge, which was basically a fundraising race. And I want to let you know, at 50 years old, um, 
as Alex Kim would probably reaffirm, uh, I won the five-mile part of the race. So I'm still healthy. Um, it was really cool. Uh, my competition uh, was Michael Kim, who had a bad back after the first mile. Uh, my son, Dan, who stuck with him through thick and thin while I raced ahead to win in my pride. Two girls under 10 and a lady over 40. So, but I won. That's all I remember. I was first. <laughs> what a clown, huh? Man, I tell you. Well, why don't you open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. And uh, we're going to talk today about passing on a legacy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 2 through 7 and a whole bunch of others. But this is where we're going to start. Paul writing to Timothy says, To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power of love, and of self-discipline. Let me start with a question. How many of you would like to pass on a legacy? Pretty much most, if not all of us, would like to pass on a legacy. Now, what I want to encourage you with is, whether you realize it or not, you are actually passing on a legacy right now. Now, let me just throw a disclaimer in here because if you're sitting on this side, immediately you're thinking, I'm going to check out because I'm only in eighth grade or I'm in high school and why should I be thinking about a legacy? But let me encourage you, don't check out because there are fifth and sixth graders that will be joining youth group and you have the opportunity to pass a legacy onto them. So hang in there and stay with me because we're always looking to those who are following after us. You might be single and you're saying, hey, you know what, I don't have any kids. How am I going to pass on a legacy? Well, there's two ways even a single person passes on a legacy. The first one is, as you look at all the children in this church, you have the opportunity to show them what it means to follow Christ in the world that you live in. And you can pass on your legacy that way as well. But also you can pass on your legacy to each and every one of us in church because the way that you live, even as a single person, affects those of us who are married and those of us like me who are still young and even the little kids in our church. So please, I am asking that nobody checks out. Not because I have something really important to say, but I really believe that if each and every one realizes that we have a legacy that we are actually passing on right now, it may very well change the way that we live. There's two types of legacies that you can have, though. The first one, obviously, shouldn't say obviously, the first one is negative. You can pass on a negative legacy to people. 
I think biblically of Abraham. Now, I'm not picking on Abraham because I think that I'm better than Abraham. I'm just picking out, as God has pointed out, some of his flaws. Abraham, as you know, received the promises from God. He said, you know what? I will build in you a nation. And the the descendants will number the stars of the heaven and even beyond kind of thing. And right after that, Abraham gave his wife away. He lied to the king, gave his wife away because he didn't want to die. He he was in fear. And, And that lying not only happened once in his life, but it happened a second time. And you know what happened when his son Isaac was placed in a similar situation that Abraham was in? He lied too and gave his wife away. Now, this is after they received the promise. But it gets worse because the legacy that Abraham passed on to Isaac is the legacy that Isaac passed on to Jacob and Esau. In fact, it got so bad that Jacob himself was considered a deceiver and a liar. And it got so bad that eventually when Jacob had his own kids, 11 of them or 10 of them got together, threw their brother in a well, pretended that he was dead when they ran back to dad and said, hey, your son is dead. Like, thank God this guy that really annoyed us is dead. Devastating their father. I mean, could you imagine as a parent to hear that your child has died? That's devastating news. But these 10 sons told their dad just that. Now, that's Abraham's legacy. How many want a legacy like that? None of us, right? How many of you watched the uh, Disney show, Good Luck, Charlie? You can admit it if you have kids. I do. I like it. It's funny. If you're bored, um, it's actually pretty interesting the way they do things. But there's an episode where little Charlie, who's two years old, I think, because they don't say the word, it's Disney, and your kids are watching it, is dropping the F-bomb. And the way they do this is it's really interesting because um, the Charlie comes home, and I believe it's from school, and the preschool, and the kid goes, the, the teacher goes, why, where did this kid learn this language from? And everyone's like, we have no idea. So they're blaming the kids. They're blaming the dad. They're blaming the neighbors. And then one day they go driving with the mom. And she drops one. And everybody goes, now we know. That's a legacy that she was passing on. Now, I don't want you to think today when I'm talking that I have this legacy thing all together. I'm going to tell you some of the legacy that I have. I'm afraid to see what the future is going to look like. For the things that I've said, for the things that I've done and how I've influenced my children. But what I want to encourage each and every one of us is we do have this legacy, and I don't want you or me to pass on a negative legacy, but I want us to be able to pass on a positive legacy, a godly legacy, one very similar to what we're going to see that Timothy received from the adults who were around him. And notice I said not his parents, but from the adults who were around him. Now what's the context of 1 Timothy? Well, pretty simply, I think 1 Timothy is a very personal letter. And what I mean by that is, even if you look at verse 2, it says, To Timothy, my dear son, which is not the way that Paul started 1 Timothy, chapter 1, I mean, 1 Timothy, but in 2 Timothy here, he says, To my dear son, in the sense that this is a more personal and intimate letter. I think, if I understand correctly, and we may get to heaven, and Paul might correct me, but I think Paul knows the end is near. He's about to die. As he points out in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I have fought the good fight. I think the end is near. I've done this. And I think he realizes that all the way in the beginning, not as he's writing the letter, but I think he realizes, you know what, I'm going to die soon, and Timothy, I want to give you instructions, because what I hear is that you are fearful. 
And rightly so. Here's some of the things that if you read 2 Timothy, he's going to be fearful of. He's going to be fearful of losing his spiritual father. If you've ever lost your physical father, that is devastating. To lose a physical father and a spiritual father, even more so. Timothy's about to lose his spiritual father. The very one who has mentored him, shown him how to follow Christ. That would create a sense of fear. The weight of pastoral leadership. Now, I know that all of you can't empathize with that, but it's not easy being a pastor. And I know a lot of people think, you know, pastors, you guys only work on Sundays. Have a whole bunch of meetings at lunch (laughs) that it can be very expensive during the week. That's what you guys do. You lay around, you get excited about Sunday, and then you come here. But it's not out. It's not that at all. There's a lot of pressure on Timothy to be a great pastor. Evangelism, because Paul's going to say, use that evangelistic gift. How many of you love to go to people and start talking about Jesus? It can be a very frightening thing, especially in our culture. And I would imagine in their culture, which was a hostile culture as well. Preaching, ill health, Timothy was sick, difficulties. Paul's saying throughout this letter, you're going to have to fight some heresies. You're going to have to fight some very difficult people. You know, Peter, I thought you were bringing that for me. I was like really touched. And then you sat down. <laughs> oh, well, I did, but not now. <laughs> if I ask for it, it looks like I'm greedy. I digress. Here's the point. Here's the context. Timothy's afraid. Now, I'd like to say, dude, man, get over it. God's on your side. But if I were Timothy, I'd be shaking in my boots as well. There's a lot of pressure because Paul says, listen, in the midst of all of your fear, what I want you to do is guard the gospel and pass it on. Not just guard it and make sure we all get together in our church and make sure everyone understands their doctrine and they know how to follow Jesus, but to get out there with your people and proclaim it. In other words, if you think it's difficult now, not only are you going to guard it, but proclaim it and even make it more difficult because you're in the midst of a hostile culture. So he's afraid for every right reason. But Paul wants to encourage him because he's going to encourage him by saying, look at the legacy that you have received from the adults in your life. Look at the people who have gone before you and have followed Christ and have followed Christ well. And don't be afraid that you will slip up and fall and let everyone down. Oh, yeah, there we go. All right, you get an extra prayer. (laughs) Not that I'll stop praying for you. And I'm going to kick that by the end of this. That even though the expectations are high, stand firm. Guard the gospel and proclaim it. So, who are these adults in Timothy's life? Here's my first thing that I want you to catch. For each and every one of us, from the oldest to the youngest, to all of you sitting over there right now, pass on your faith intentionally. Let's look at verse 5. It says, Paul, I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. To me, when I read this verse, I think very clearly that Lois and Eunice passed on their faith intentionally. And as I was reading this verse, I was thinking, how did they do this? And I was getting a little bit frustrated because you know how you want to open up the Scripture and help people to understand what God is speaking to us today without being manipulative. And I just could not figure out what it is that these ladies did until I read a commentary which takes us to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
verses 14 through 17. And this is how they intentionally passed on their faith. It says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How did they intentionally pass on their faith? They immersed Timothy in God's word. From infancy, from infancy, you know, I, I remember, I was just as we were getting ready to do this, <coughs> I remember how when my wife carried the first three children, we'd always pray. And this is something you guys could try. I'm not going to give tip advice even though you didn't give me any water. So this is true grace proven here. We would read scripture every night before we went to bed, a paragraph, and then we would pray those verses so that our kids would hear our word. Or not our word, God's word. So they would hear God's word. Even in the womb, it is possible to pass on a legacy. And I remember one time my wife said to me, you know what, when you were preaching, uh, our little Christina was moving in my stomach because she remembered your voice. That's medically sound, right? Passing on a legacy. They passed on their legacy intentionally. Now, I don't know how they did it. I wish I could tell you, you know what, they had scrolls, which is very possible. They could have had enough money to be able to read scripture and help him learn. They might have sent him to religious school where he learned. I don't know exactly how they did it. All I know is that they intentionally spent time making sure that Timothy knew the scriptures from infancy. So he grew up with a Bible in his home. It was everywhere. And even if they didn't have personal scrolls, the one thing that they understood as God had commanded in Deuteronomy 6, they took it to heart, was to impress God's commandments on their children when they sit, walk, lie down, and get up. They were intentional. I can imagine around that household, they were always living it out. They were embracing this faith and then helping Timothy understand how his life fit into the scripture. Now, <coughs> let me give a qualifier and a comforter. Here's the qualifier and the comforter. We have, probably most of us, at least one personal Bible. If you don't, please go back to the Welcome Center, pick up one, absolutely free. But I would imagine many of us have many Bibles. What Paul is not saying is this. He is not saying Grandmother Lois and Mother Eunice be Bible scholars. Of course, they didn't have to know the Hebrew because it wasn't Hebrew and they knew that. He's not saying, listen, for all those of us today, you must know your Hebrew, you must know your Aramaic, you must know your Greek, <clears throat> and then teach your kids theology deep and true. That is not what he's saying. Because I think many of us as parents or singles or even a youth group member says, you know what, I don't really know my Bible that well. I'm not a scholar. How can I teach it to somebody? I don't think Paul's saying that. I think, and I don't think I'm going to be wrong when I see Paul on this, I think what he's saying is immerse people behind you in the Scripture. Make sure it is in your life 
so that as you embrace it and live it out, then you pass it on to them so that they might have the opportunity to embrace it and live it out. You do not have to be a scholar. What his call is basically is he wants children to embrace our faith as we walk it out rather than as we talk it out. Embrace it. Not to say, you know, God is good and then go home and talk about how the person did this in Sunday school or how the person dressed this way or the pastor did that or the deacon did this or the who did that or the whatever and say, how could they actually do that? What kind of Christian are they? But to actually live it out, to live out that grace in front of our kids because they pass on their faith by using scripture and being intentional. Let me give you a a, a food for thought thing. I really believe we need to go beyond intending to pass on our faith. Intending, get this, intending to pass on our faith to being intentional in passing it on. Here's what I mean. I intend to pass on my faith to my children. I'm supposed to, right? I'm a pastor for crying out loud. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. However, it's different than being intentional. I believe that someone like Eli or Samuel or David, all godly men, intended to pass on their faith to their children. But they failed because Eli's two kids and Samuel's kids, they were horrible. They were horrible. They were the polar opposites of their godly parents. David's kids, you know, David was a chocolate mess. Maybe the legacy that he passed on was to be a chocolate mess to his kids too. But either way, they intended to pass on their faith. I'm not so sure that they were intentional in passing on their faith. I intend to pass on my faith, but I'm not always intentional. I have for years intended to write each and every one of my children a journal about my journey of faith and how it fits into their lives, but I haven't done it because I'm not intentional about it. I intend to. I want to. It's a great desire for me to write that book or those five books, but I have not done it. What I'm saying is this. I don't want you to intend to pass on your faith, to pass on that legacy to your children. Because that's good. Because you can bring them to church. I intend that they will know Jesus. They will come to church. They will go to Sunday school. They will go to youth group. I intend for them to learn my faith. But that is not the same thing as being intentional and actually making sure that you embrace your faith as you follow Jesus so that you hold on to it so deeply and so dearly that you can pass it on to your children. Like Paul, where you can say, my dear son, where grandmother Lois and mother Eunice can say, our dear child, this is the gift that we give you. Our legacy, our faith, our spiritual life found in the scriptures, which lead us to Jesus Christ. Now, I say this because for each and every one of our kids, I intend, especially for the little ones, to read the Bible with them every night and pray with them. I don't like to go out at night. I don't like to go to small group. Not that I don't like my small groups. If you're my small group, don't get offended. I'm just saying I prefer to be home because I want to pass on my faith to my kids. I love the time before bed. I love reading the Bible and praying with them usually. But I'll be honest with you. There are some nights where we get into bed and I'm praying this. Oh, God, please Help them not to remember we're supposed to read the Bible and pray. I'm tired, man. Or I got something to do. And sometimes there's this movie I want to watch. It's late. Go to bed. And you know what these annoying little kids do? Dad, you forgot to read the Bible. 
Oh, man. So we read the Bible. Okay, thank you. Amen. Good. Great. Excellent. I'm out of here. Uh, you didn't pray. Do you know what I'm saying? I intend to pass on my faith. My hope is that all five of my children will embrace the faith that God has placed in me. Not because I'm a great person, because he's placed it there. But I am not always intentional because I've got things to do. And I think when we live like that, intending to do something but not being intentional, we're really missing out on, I think, a richer and fuller legacy as parents, as singles, as youth group members in Christ because God is looking at the generation behind us and they are crying out for someone to say, will you please guard the gospel? Will you please proclaim it and embrace it that one day I might walk in those same footsteps and find that God is good. Not because you intend to, but because you have intentionally put in time and energy and effort to teach your children, our children, and even as children, the children to come about what it means to follow Jesus in our world. I am not perfect. But I'm going to encourage everyone here, youngest to oldest, to really honestly pass on your faith intentionally. It is a legacy. It is a gift that you can give to those who follow afterwards. Sound good? All right. I don't speak that short. We're not done. Second point. Pass on your faith prayerfully. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says to Timothy, my dear son, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. This is absolutely amazing. Paul has so embraced and fallen in love with Timothy as his son, even though he is not his son. The adult in his life, the person above him in age in his life, has fallen in love with Timothy so much so he says, I long to see you. In other words, I'm going to die soon. I know that. I'm going to tell you about that later. That's going to give you some fear, but I know that. But I long to see you. And, and the longing there is an idea of homesickness. Now, I love speaking in invitations. I'm going to tell you why I love speaking invitations. When people from out of state invite me to come to their retreat or whatever it is, I get a puffed head. I mean, who wouldn't? Hey, you know, we heard that you can do this. Will you please come to California or the East Coast and speak at our church? I feel like Bill Hybels. I'm famous. You know, I'm going somewhere. And, and it's really cool. You know, and I, and I love it. I get excited about going. And then my wife drops me off at the airport and I go, God, why am I doing this? I don't want to go. I want to be home with my family. And then I'm just, I think God laughs. I think he goes, you know what, dude? You're so proud. You thought you are so great that you got this invitation, that you're blinded to the reality, that you long to be home. 
I long to be home at 8 o'clock every night to be with those two little girls, those two special girls that God has given us, to just be there and be with them, the hugging. Kaylee doesn't even let me kiss her anymore, so it's fun to fight to get that kiss from her. All those kind of things. I just love that. And that's the language that Paul is using. I long for you as my son in the faith. And that longing causes me to turn to praying for you. It's really interesting. I mentioned Bill Hybels because I'm reading this book by his called Simplify. And as I'm reading the book yesterday, he's talking about how uh, the death of his father at the age of 54, which I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm 50. That means me four more years. And uh, he was 27. And uh, when I'm 54, my daughter Christina will be 26. And I start crying because I'm thinking, what if I die? I long to be with my kids. I long for at least 25 years. So even the four-year-old, when she gets married, I long to be there. Even though they will be asking, why is your grandfather walking down the aisle? I don't care. I long to be there. I have a passion for my children. I will do anything that is reasonable for my children. That is what Paul is trying to say. Paul saying to Timothy, I Love you a lot. I don't even know if you can imagine that. But I will pray for you. You're young. People are looking down on you. But I will pray for you. You're my disciple. People might expect highly of you to be like me. I will pray for you. You are facing a difficult task in your youth to tell people about heresy and how to truly follow Jesus as a pastor. I will pray for you. You are about to Guard and proclaim a gospel in a hostile environment. I will pray for you because I love you so much. The difficult place that you are in now may even get more difficult, but I will pray for you. Does that sound familiar to you today? Think about what these guys are facing today as youth. Although it's very similar to what we face as youth, what they have is a much greater in-your-face facing the difficulties that we face. To follow Christ in this culture is more difficult in some ways for them than it is for us. Similar, but more difficult because there's so much more out there and so many more ways to get information. It's on their computer screens. Bam. If I say something about history, they can pull out their iPhone right now or their Android and find out whether or not it's true. When I was growing up in their age, if somebody told something about history, I, who cares less, man? I'm not even going to pull out an iPhone because it doesn't even exist. Right? We have a legacy to pass on to the generation that follows after us. And even for you guys sitting over there going, oh, that's so great. All these people are going to care for us. Let me tell you, care for those who are behind you. People are saying, oh, those fifth grade boys. You know what they said two years ago? Those fifth grade boys. And look at you today, man. Think about them coming up. How is it that you can be praying for them even now? How can you be praying for them? So that when two years from now, when they join the youth group, they're going to look and go, wow, that Caleb guy really loves God. How can I be like him? And Elijah, what a voice. He can sing, man. Best worship leader we've ever had in the youth group. How do we get to that place? We pray for them. So what do we pray for? What do we pray for? I think Paul prayed for two things. I think Paul prayed that they would be, one, faithful, and two, fruitful. 
faithful and fruitful. So parents, singles, and youth group looking back, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Start praying for the generation that's coming up behind us. Pray that they will be faithful. Paul, as he writes this letter, says to Timothy in chapter 1, verse 6, stir up your gift. In chapter 2, verse 15, study the word. In chapter 3, verse 16, preach the word. In chapter 4, verse 5, do the work of an evangelist. In other words, he's saying, be faithful. Be faithful to the legacy that your grandmother and your mother and I, an adult in your life, have passed on to you. Be faithful to that. Guard and proclaim the gospel. Pray that same thing. Even if it's a simple prayer, God, for the generation that follows us, may I be faithful, may they be faithful, so that even in difficulty, we will still follow Jesus. And you know what else I think? I think we need to pray that their children will be faithful as well. When Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. In other words, I think Paul was praying for not only Timothy, but his children and his children's children and his children's children in the spiritual faith, which is the same thing that we can pray for as well as our children. Now, I picked up a book in the last few weeks by an author. I won't say his name because some of you hate him or at least don't like him because of his politics, but he was talking about legacy. And in his legacy, he said, his great-grandfather prayed that for four generations there would be pastors in his family. Generation one would happen. Generation two would happen. Generation three would happen. Generation four would happen. And now it's happening in generation five. Why is that happening in generation five? Because I think generation two picked up that prayer and said for four generations. And then three is going to pick it up and four is going to pick it up and five is going to pick it up. And they're not only praying that their children will be faithful, but that their children's children will be faithful and their children's children will be faithful. And like that hair commercial and so on and so on and so on. Now, only a few of us have grandchildren here. I know that you think that I'm old, but I don't have grandchildren yet. But how many of us have grandchildren? I think only you, Alan, right? <clears throat> Do you love your grandchildren? You want them to meet Jesus? Right? When we're sitting here thinking about those little kids that are in the brown class right now, hopefully you're praying for the teachers <laughs> who are saying, thank God it's Pastor Frank today. <laughs> right? But that's a generation that's coming up. It's a generation that one day will receive the the mantle. Not only the Christian faith, but of the world in which we live in. Who knows? There may be congressmen, women, senators, presidents, companies. Who knows what is alive back there? But we can pray for them that they would be faithful. And their children... And their children, and I really believe that's what Paul is praying. I pray, Timothy, that you will be faithful and that you will pass it on to those who are faithful as I pray for them. And I pray also that you will be fruitful, that you will bear fruit, that the efforts of you embracing God's word and intentionally passing it on to your children, and as you pray for them, they will embrace it so that they will embrace God's word intentionally and pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. We should be passing on our faith intentionally, and we should be passing on our faith prayerfully, whether we are 97 or 12. 
Because there's always someone who's following after us. Let me go back to the beginning. And this really means I'm concluding. How many of you want to pass on a legacy? A godly legacy. Even if you don't have children. How many of you? How are you going to get there? Sounds overwhelming, doesn't it? My suggestion? To be like Lois and to be like Eunice and to be like Timothy. Get in to the Word of God. Read it. Read it in front of your kids. Now, I know that sounds a little anti-Jesus because Jesus says do all that stuff in private. But our kids, our children need to see that God's Word is important to us. Think on it. Reflect on it. Pass it on to our kids. Use it in conversation if you can. And again, don't be crazy because sometimes I get a little crazy in the household. We can be talking about something that's irrelevant and I go, oh, and God said. And they're like, where did that come from? My response is it didn't come from anywhere. I just wanted to throw it in there. But we can pass on our faith, but only if it is found in God's word, which we have to begin. Let your kids see that you're reading it and that it matters to you, that you have embraced it and that it shapes your life. This isn't rocket science. It really is just taking the time to be in God's word and then turning around and praying that, which is what we did today, right? We read Psalm 139 and we prayed it. You don't have to be the Bible scholar. You don't have to be the prayer warrior. You just have to be someone who loves God and wants to pass on that legacy like Timothy and Lois and Eunice did. Now, I know that I've mentioned that I intend to pass on this five-book thing collection to my kids. You know what? I, I, what I'd really, just as a point of bonus application, if there's anyone else who has that desire, I need an accountability partner. And it'd be really cool one day to have a small group of fathers, mothers, even younger kids who say, you know what? I'm going to start writing that book right now. So if you're interested, see me afterwards. I'd really like to do that. But I want to end with this. I don't know where you're at. You might be a parent or a single or even younger, and you might think, I have nothing to offer. You might be thinking, you know what? I have blown it, man. If I could tell you what I did to my kids, I'm the type of parent that sends them to the psychiatrist, and they blame it on the parents, and they're right. How am I going to pass on a legacy? How am I going to un-Abraham things? I'll tell you how. By coming to Jesus and just saying, I blew it. May you take this mess, and by your grace, fill me, change me, and help me to intentionally pass on my faith, my new found revived faith to my children. So if you've made a mess of things, don't give up because it's not over. Like I tell people sometimes, it's not over until you're dead. So if you're still alive, you still have time to make a difference. Does anyone remember King Manasseh in the Old Testament? King Manasseh is the reason why Israel went into judgment. And this was years before he, or years after he died. It, it got so bad, God said, Manasseh, you are so bad, this country is done. Toast. That boy went to prison and had a revival in prison and came back. I think he ultimately had a huge impact on his grandson, Josiah. You are not done, parents. You are not done, singles. You may have blown it, but you are not done. Pass on your faith. What you have grasped, embraced, and learned to live, even if it means I start now 
and move forward. And if you're a parent who has a lot of good intentions, but has not intentionally taken the time to pass it on, don't say it's too late either, because your kids are still growing up. They may be one year old, they may be 17 years old, they may be out the door next year off to college, but that doesn't mean that you still don't have time. Because if I'm not mistaken, there are many parents here, many singles here, who really see kids as a gift from God and love them and long to pass on something where they can say, God, this is my gift of worship to you, to pass on a legacy to those who are coming behind me, that they might find out that Jesus really is good, even in the difficult times of life, the times when I'm angry with you, the times when I'm disappointed with you, but I know, but I know. Because that was Paul's legacy, wasn't it? Stonings, beatings, whippings, hatred beyond belief. And he says, you know what, Timothy? I love you. Hang in there, man. Guide the gospel and proclaim it. It's what I pass on to you so that you pass it on to others. That's what his grandmother and his mother would say. It is difficult to follow Jesus here in Ephesus. It is hard. Really, really difficult. But hang in there. Hang in there. Because it's worth it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, <clears throat> thank you so much for the generations that have come before us. People who face a lot of difficulty, a lot of hardship, persecution for some, martyrdom for others. But they stayed tough. They guarded the gospel. They proclaimed it and have given us the opportunity to hear about it, to fall in love with it, to embrace it. What we embrace is not a concept, but a person. It's you, our Father, our brother, and your spirit. What we ask of this day is simple. Father, Wherever we have come from, as we move forward from here, may we be intentional in passing on our faith to those who come behind us. Whether we are 60 or 16, whether we are married, whether we're a single, whether we're a single parent or a youth group member, God, give us a vision of your heart and your mind, not only for our generation, but for the generation to come. May your word become as sweet as honey to us. May we love it. May we eat it. May we read it. May we reflect on it. May it become so much a part of us that our hearts burst into prayer. May we prayerfully ask, oh God, that for this generation, the next generation, the generation to come, and the generation to come, that we will be faithful and that in that we will be fruitful. And though we may not see the fruit of whatever we plant, we know that you cause the growth. Fill us over and over and over. Not just today, but for what follows. So that our legacy might be one.
It's a spiritual legacy that can turn to our Timothys and say, as we have persevered, if we have guarded the gospel, as we have proclaimed it, now you go. Do the same. We are with you. And though we may not be here, though we may be in heaven watching, know that we are with you. Proud of you. That ultimately, what we think doesn't matter because there is a Father in heaven that is even more involved intricately in your lives. Lord Jesus, send your spirit and may we pass on the legacy of following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.